Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Alex Waters Show. And today I've got with me Kim Smith, uh, who's the founding director of Standing Strong. Kim, welcome. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming out to Cottesloe. It's um. Ah. Good day to be here. It is. Yeah, beach (laughs) weather. And I just wanted to say congratulations on winning the Telstra Women's Business Award. Thank Um, you. So that happened this year? Yeah, that was this year. That was right when we pretty much shut down for COVID. So um, (laughs) there was no awards night or anything. So I got this little phone call. Oh, right. And I wasn't quite sure if it was real or not at the time. It was sort of a bit strange. And yeah, it was incredible. It was for purpose and social enterprise in WA. So it was amazing. It was a huge honor to receive that. Yeah, it it was great. That's amazing. Yeah. So tell everyone and me, like, what is Standing Strong? So Standing Strong is essentially a health and wellbeing program for children and teens. So we work with children aged five to 17 years. And our program is a holistic health and wellness program. So we work with physical health and wellbeing and mental, emotional health and wellbeing. Every one of our programs has three core components of strong body, strong mind and strong heart. So we cover all of those areas in every single class. So we do movement, we get them moving around, feeling good physically. We then go into the personal development um, side of it where we have a topic and we talk about it and we share. It's very discussion based. Mm -hmm. And then we have our strong heart component, which is our mindfulness, relaxation, meditation, more of the heart centered um, component. So that um, that's what our program is about, but we now have program licensing. So we have people out there that can sign up and become licensed to facilitate our programs within their own business as well now. So we've got um, 20 locations running our programs now, which is So you've got one awesome. in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yep, so yep. is yeah. that a licensed one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yep. didn't, you didn't fly over there and go, I'm going to start no, a No, I would have liked to, but no, not yet. Um, yeah, yeah. That, the American ones were actually really pivotal in helping us to create the licensing model because we know what the school system's like in Australia, but it's very different in America, in the UK. And so it was really important for us because our program is an after-school activity. Um, It was really important to get that feedback on how a program would work in a different country with the way their schooling systems work and their their schedules and their timetable, like even their school terms are so different to ours. So Yeah, yeah, it was really interesting working with them to get that feedback on what we've created now, what we have available now. So That's awesome. Yeah. How long has it been running for now? I started the very first program in 2014 and then that was just a nine-week program. Mm -hmm. And my goal was always to have something that was ongoing. So it was really important to me to have something where children could keep coming back and it was different each time. It wasn't just a one-off workshop or a one-off course and once they did it, that was it. Um, It was really important to be able to create that sense of support, ongoing support for both the children and the parents. And so I pretty much straight away from that first course asked feedback from the kids and said, you know, do you, what do you guys want? How can we create this so that you can keep coming back and it's new and, um, and they kind of co-created it with me. And so then in 2015, I took the big leap to taking on a a commercial lease and open the first club, which was a full-time club. And that was where we had a timetable of classes. We were open uh, six days a week and yeah, they would, it was a membership style um, program. So they would come in in the afternoon 
students and do all the different classes and then it started growing from there and so it was 2015. By the end of 2015 that's when we started having all these inquiries into how people could get the club into their community Mm. and so it, it really kind of snowballed. It happened really quickly where I went oh my gosh I've got to get this out there and I I think I felt a huge sense of responsibility to support more parents because I knew what we were doing at West Perth which was where the original club was I wanted to be able to provide it to other families and we could only reach the people that could get to us and so quite quickly we we started looking at how we could expand and grow the program so that other people could run it and other children could benefit from it so yeah pretty much from 2016 to the end of 2018 so about two years it took us to develop the model and it was going back and forth looking at what worked what didn't trialing different models um, we came up with the program licensing that we've got today so wow yeah that's really crazy. cool yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it was crazy going it through was it. full on yeah, yeah but it was um and it, I think because <clears throat> what we did there was nothing else out there so there wasn't anywhere I could go to get advice on creating the model or mm. uh, there wasn't any business advisors or coaches or anyone that could give me help with creating a license of what we had because what we offered was so unique so it really was it needed to be an internal process of trial and error for us to work out we knew what we did really well but how did we teach other people to do that so that the programs would be effective in other areas as well so it was a really big process of learning and then obviously putting it together and trialing that as well so yeah yeah. that's amazing yeah it's great there's obviously been at least now I noticed this year and you know the last couple of years there's been a big push around children's teens mental health yep. anxiety depression yeah it's pretty hard to scroll the news without seeing something about that it's a very relevant and prominent topic at the moment why do you think that is what's happening my opinion on it is that there's just young people are just exposed to so much now there's so much information out there and if you think back to 20 30 years ago the level of information that they were exposed to was so much less than what they have now. So I often say a parent's role back then was to educate their children. A parent had to find the information to answer the questions. Right. And, and so a parent could decide what they wanted their child to know. They went to school, obviously learned their, you know, what they learn at school, but in terms of the bigger world and our social lives and, you know, all these other parts of our lives, it really was on the parents to educate their children on that side of things. Whereas now click of a you know their phone or their computer and that information is right there so it's the parents role has changed from being the person that provides that information to now helping the child cipher through that information so children now have have an overload of information that they're trying to process Mm. and I think because the parents role is changing so quickly as well it's taking time for parents to adjust to what their role is within their children's lives as well. And one thing we often say at Standing Strong is that a lot of the time the parent has never even heard this information before as well. So not only are you shifting from the parent giving all the information, the children are finding the information first and you've also got that additional level where the parent sometimes are learning it for the first time as well. And that's, you know, anxiety and depression and and mental health issues come from a lot of the time, particularly with young people, come from that overload. I mean, there's just so much going on. There's so much pressure. There's so much information and finding the time to slow down and process that information when their brains are so young and, Mm. you know, they don't um, process things the way an adult 
brain processes things. And I think we forget that a lot of the time, especially because they know so much now as well. Yeah. Sometimes it's easy to forget, particularly with teenagers, that they are so young still. Their brains are so young. Their brains are still developing. And, um, you know, all of that affects the way our brain works. So, mm-hmm. so uh, you think programs like Standing Strong really an essential part of life now and growing up? Because I remember Absolutely. when I was a teenager, I read a little bit about you on your website and you said you didn't have a great teenage yep. years and you felt alone. And yes. I was like... I relate. And I, I imagine so many people reading that would be like, I relate because yeah, that's just yep. what like being a, being a teenager was like. Yeah. And I remember going to like kind of a, some sort of community group thing or something, but it was kind of a bit weird and it was like the odd thing to do, yes. you know, yep. to go and seek help in that kind yes. of way. Yes. Is that normal now? And, and how do you engage with... That's exactly why I started Standing Strong. I had the first idea for it when I was 18, when I just left school and I actually went to a gym for the first time. I did a group fitness class for the first time and went where has this been all my life? Why, why is it it took till 18 years of age for oh. me to realize that you could go to a place where you could jump around and have fun and there's music going and people were really motivating and cheering you on and there was no competition with anyone else and feel good physically within yourself. Mm. Why did it take 18 years and for me to have to go somewhere to find this thing? Um, and once again, you know, this was 20 years ago. So, but it was this idea that why are children treated so differently? There's so many amazing things out there that can be helping children with their mental health, their physical health and well-being. And that's why I had that that first sort of idea for it. I was like, kids need this. Kids need a space where they can go to where it's not about the competition. It's not about pressures of learning or achieving and not a place where they're being told what to do, which is a lot of what childhood is. And it has to be in a number of ways. But mm. there's also, there needs to be that space where young people can be free to listen to their own um, thoughts and connect with their own intuition and learn to trust their own instincts with things and share what they're feeling in a non-judgmental and non-competitive way. And that was the goal with Standing Strong was to create a space where they could have that, I guess, that physical pick-me-up for the endorphins and get them going. And this is why the strong body component's always at the beginning of our classes because it settles the nerves, gets the endorphins going, it makes them feel good, they feel more relaxed, karma. That component in no way is about physical looks it's not about weight loss it's not about building muscle it's not about any of that it's purely about how exercise can make us feel within Mm. our own body and the positive side effects of movement yeah so we always start our program with strong body then we go into the strong mind where we talk so everyone's feeling more relaxed we do a lot of partner work in the strong body as well so they feel more connected with each other And then that's where they have the chance to chat. And like you were saying, it's such an important part of childhood and teenage years in particular to have a space where there's guided conversations, but the freedom to share your thoughts and feelings on it and be an individual in that space where you don't feel like people will be judging you or using things against you or, you know, which happens most of the time at school anytime Mm. you become vulnerable or open up about your thoughts and feelings there's always a risk that that's going to be used against you in some way um, by someone and so that's what we wanted to create with standing strong what i wanted to create with standing strong was a space where they could open up and share and talk and it was a safe space and that's what our mentors and our instructors create and then of course the the strong heart component where they can start to slow down go within and take it all in and actually process and have that downtime as i was saying before because they're taking in so much information now they're on the go all the time like all of us yeah um you know children need to have that 
designated or prioritized time where they stop and they slow down and they actually learn to connect with their breath and you know mm. slow down their thoughts and it's a skill that we need to learn unless you book into something like a program you know a lot of the time we don't teach children these sorts of things so yeah yeah I think it's so important I think every child needs to be doing this particularly in the the day and age we live in now for those three components the the movement understanding that exercise is a vital part of our lives for our mental mm. health just as much as our physical health and well-being and to have a, a positive relationship with that and that's one of what we found at Standing Strong and it was certainly my experience at high school because a lot of the time with children it's all about team sports and competitive sports and things a lot of young people pull away from it because right. they don't want the competition and this is where they create a negative association with exercise because mm. there's criticism there there's judgment there there's self-doubt there's sure. comparison you know all those not so good emotions when they exercise can be such a positive and enjoyable experience we've spoken with girls that do dancing and things and you normally think oh but dancing so much fun but the pressures of the competition that are mm. on them and getting the moves right and they have to do the performance at exactly. the end of the year Put it, and, and so many of them they're like I don't want to <laughs> yeah, perform yeah. I just want to feel yeah. good and dance to the music but then I have to go and get up on stage and I hate it and so all these things that we as parents and as teachers and anyone who works with children we try so hard to get them into these activities because traditionally we're told this is a good thing for them but we don't see the effect that it has on mental health and well-being and there was an, a kind of an old school attitude of well they need that competition and it's good for them and all the rest of it but you know you you sit with a group of teenagers it or kids and ask them and it, that's not the feedback you get from them there is a lot of negative associations with there whereas you put a group of kids in a room and just let them have fun and dance and put the music on and you know do something that's not competitive and then they're actually able to process how they're feeling because they're not filled with all that comparison and self-doubt and you know all the rest of it that comes mm. with it what's the balance there though because there is that old school like you've got to do the hard yards and yeah. you've got to compete and you've yep. got to be resilient and all those kinds of things and for me personally I try and push myself in certain things you've yes. done yes. a million uncomfortable things in yep. your life I'm sure so what, what is the balance there is it a matter of letting them be kids yeah. and then when and they're adults they deal with that exactly, exactly as you said it's got to be a balance we need competition we need things that are going to push us things that are going to give us that drive to want to achieve and grow you know that's an amazing part of achievement and, and success and learning and growth so we definitely need that side of things and this is where it doesn't fit everybody it's each person's an individual and what's right for one person is going to be completely different for someone else some children are more sensitive to things some children mm. will thrive from the competition some kids will be like that's it like I just want to play sports and that's it like I'm done I'm the happiest person on the planet you know I don't need anything else and that's amazing and if and for those children absolutely go and do that but there's also a whole group of children out there where that's that doesn't suit them and they don't fit in that box and mm -hmm. it's really important for us to look at each child individually and to be able to have services and resources and places for children to go that don't fit into that box so for, for children that are a bit more sensitive or they are going through a tough time maybe they've got family things going on and it's a they're having a rough three or four months and they just need somewhere where they can have a bit of a break from that go 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 I guess atmosphere and have something that's a little bit slower paced and and less pressure on them it's more about that it's not about one I guess piece of advice fits all of them each child's individual and yeah. this is why there needs to be these things out there because parents need more support in finding what their children need and this 
I think is what has been lacking in the past and what I hope it becomes more and more of in the world is that there are a lot more places where parents can go and say, hey, this is my child. This is what my child's going through. This is what our family's going through. This is what they're going through at school with friends, whatever it might be. Their health even and what's available for my child to support Mm. them through this part of their lives. And I think that's a really key point too is that from childhood to late teens, the amount that happens in that period of time, the amount of development that happens, the growth, what we go through as human beings from childhood to the end of our adolescent years is phenomenal Mm. and still blows my mind the lack of attention that period of our lives is given in terms of personal growth and what we're going through and so that's what I guess standing strong is trying to help with is to be able to support parents through that time and give them that village approach where they can go hey I can't do all of this on my own Mm. my child needs some support I need some support and some direction and to be able to provide that. Yeah, cool. What's your position or advice on codependence and how that plays out in that period into becoming an adult? Because from what I understand, as children, we are codependent to our parents. Yes. And then we become an adult and we're trying to date. Yes. And I'm speaking from personal experience here, (laughs) you know, and you are like codependent with this person that you're dating and it suddenly becomes toxic and, Mm -hmm. you know, you're just like exhibiting behaviors and things you don't have never seen in yourself before and what has to happen in that period as a teenager that didn't happen for me and most of my friends (laughs) and I know you know like well I think it's really difficult because until we leave home we're pretty much with people all the time yeah we've got people with us and even from babies to when we start school you know we have someone pretty much holding us the whole time and it's a gradual release of that constant connection with someone but yeah this and this happens to a lot of people they get into their 20s leave home or what and then they're suddenly like oh my gosh I can't do this I'm on my own for the first time and they want a relationship and they'll jump into a relationship and then as you said it's so it's so codependent again because that's what we're used to we've had that and it's not necessarily a bad thing because I believe we're here to have connection with people I don't believe we're here to be wandering on our own yeah um each to their own no no judgment but me personally i think that's one of the most beautiful things about it about being a human being is the connection we have with people but like you said you know it needs to be a healthy connection and i think this is what separates us from childhood and adolescence and takes us into our adult lives is now starting to navigate that part of it and to find ourselves as individuals while being able to be connected with other people and you know that comes in to the personal development side of things, learning to have those boundaries and I guess resist that instant comfort. And I think that's what codependence kind of is. It's mm. like, but this, I want this straight away because I feel good. I feel happy. I feel safe. You know, all those wonderful feelings at first, but then it starts to tumble and can become not so healthy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's very much about finding, really taking your twenties as a, as a time to explore who you are and really look at yourself and have that, even though it's uncomfortable, have that little level of separation between the people that you're close to, not pushing them away, having people there, but really putting boundaries boundaries in place to start discovering who you are and mm. putting time like we were talking about earlier you know reading books there's podcasts you know researching things doing courses learning more about who you are as an adult separate to your family yeah. your friends your school everything that that was your childhood and your teenage years learning that there's now a new chapter of your life and it's really on you and I think the earlier you start doing your own personal development the easier it is so you're saying I couldn't have skipped my 20s and there's nothing. No, <laughs> no. Uh, like is there, is there um, 
is this something that you sort of bring into the personal development yeah. with teenagers though? Absolutely. Like setting boundaries yes. and, and stuff it, like that. And, and learning that it's not a bad thing to go through challenging times. Yeah. Like that's the greatest thing we can go through is those challenging times if we have the support around us or we have the tools to get through those times. And that's what we teach at Standing Strong. It's not about putting rose-colored glasses on and going, you know, we're, we're trying to create a perfect life for you and eliminate any problems you might face. It's more about going, hey, life is going to be like this for mm-hmm. the rest of time, up and down, up and down. It's never going to be perfect. But the more you learn about how to set yourself up to navigate through those challenging times, the easier it is and the, and the more you're going to learn from those so that they don't happen again or so that you can make better decisions next time or, you know, just reflect on it and learn from it and um, make different decisions next time. So 100%, I think the challenges we go through, you know, that's, they're so valuable. They're yeah. such a valuable, even the relationships, the codependent relationships, the toxic relationships, you know, all of that sort of stuff. I don't think we should try as hard as we can to <clears throat> avoid those, you know, if, if those those situations happen, they happen. It's just yeah. about learning about yourself so that you can work through those times. And the biggest thing I think is having support around you, having a support network around you, friends that you can talk with, family you can talk with, coaches, counsellors, mentors, or just people that you can go to for support and advice during those challenging times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. What have you had to go through? What change have you seen in yourself over the last five, six years? years? <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, huge, huge changes. We were mentioning earlier that during your twenties, because you're out there in the world for the first time, it's really difficult to know what your boundaries are, what your values are, you know, what you want to do with your life, even what your own self-worth is. And you're trying all these different things to find out information about yourself. And the more you do that, the more you start to understand who you are and what your values are and what you stand for and what you want to do with your life and where you want to go and I think that only comes from age through experiences kind of narrowing that in and being more comfortable with focusing on what brings you joy and what brings you happiness and who you are without trying to please everyone else or say yes to everything and um, get distracted by the big shiny lights as I like to say it and you slow down a little bit and become more focused on things and that's been my experience and definitely with having a baby and running a business and you know having a really crazy business life that where I've had to really say no to things if I've wanted to achieve certain things I've had to put my foot down and go I can't do everything and sometimes that means social things or being with friends or events or you know whatever it might be but it's about becoming okay with saying no and not feeling guilty or having FOMO and beating mm-hmm. yourself up that you should be doing that and oh, but they're all out there doing this stuff and you should be there doing that too and comparison and all of that side of things you really get more comfortable with going it's fine if everyone else is doing that this is what I'm working on and mm. um, that's what I'm focused on and I'm achieving great things because I'm not getting distracted by everything else that's yeah. out there and I think that's been one of the big things that I've learnt the most is to just narrow it down just mm. focus on a few things and do those really well instead of trying to do everything all the time yeah what are they like do you have a thing daily you're like these are the two things three things i'm focusing on no (laughs) 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 my days with having a four-year-old are so different all the time and however i'm i always make sure that 
I don't overwhelm myself with things. So if things are starting to get too full on, then I say, okay, enough's enough. And I put, like, I have those boundaries in place now. But the most important thing for me now in my day-to-day life is prioritizing the people that are in my life. And that was something I don't think I did so much before. Mm. It was business, it was goals, it was, you know, achieving all these things. And I, a lot of the time, my relationships suffered for that. And I suffered for that as well because I, I lost that connection with people and lost the idea of what is really important at the end of the day to me, which is the people in my life. So my son mm-hmm. comes first. So even though I run this company now and we're so busy all the time, my son comes first. And that's why my day at the moment, each day is different all the time because it depends on him and what he's feeling, what he's going through, how he wakes up. It, that was difficult to adjust to, but I've become comfortable with the uncertainty of each day and mm. because I know that that's not going to be forever. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, I just need to be in the moment with him now, adjust to that. If I'm fortunate that I run my own business. So if it means I'm half an hour late for work, then that's fine. Obviously it is stressful when I've got meetings and things and we can't live like that. But the majority of the time, I really try to make sure that his happiness and his needs are met first and foremost, and then everything else comes in after. That was a really difficult thing to get used to because I went from working 16, 17 hour days on my business, seven days a week, absolutely addicted to it, um, to realizing I couldn't do that anymore and not becoming stressed with that and feeling like I was slacking off or being lazy or that it was not growing as fast as it used to and all those things that you as a business owner you think if you're not working on your business you you know if you're out with friends you're still thinking about your business all the time it's always there and so I had to become comfortable with slowing down with all of that so at the moment my life isn't very structured Mm -hmm. um however I have the things that I prioritize every day and that's what I focus on so yeah cool yeah you said earlier on you know in in the first year of the business you had your son yes what was that like that was absolutely crazy so I was not prepared for it whatsoever so I thought that I was going to be able to strap him on my back and take him around with me and I'd be able to work full time and you know that I could keep it all together and there'd be no problems and that I had a very quick reality check with that um, even to the point where I, w- I didn't take any maternity leave or anything I was emailing the day that he was born and yeah realized quite quickly that um, that is not a healthy lifestyle and that it was way too much so I went went through a really really difficult period where it was incredibly stressful to almost burnout point stressful and I had to reevaluate. That's when I had to reevaluate everything and go, okay, this is what my life is now. There's no way I can do all of this 15, 16 hours, hour days and raise a little human being Yeah. Um, for his well-being and for my well-being. And that's when everything started to change. So I pretty much had a year of just absolute stress and, and just really... It's quite sad when I think back about it, to be honest with you. Like, I don't think any first-time mum should have that level of stress on them, and I wouldn't advise it to anybody. But there was definitely a lot of lessons learned in terms of prioritising time and and lifestyle as well, and not being so consumed in business and work. And um, like we're saying before, having the value on yourself that you're only good if you're achieving those things and that being at home with my little boy was just as important as supporting teens and helping people with business and and that side of things and that I was just as special whether I was there or over there as well so kind of a paradox isn't it it being being stressed and then going and teaching mindfulness yeah that that was exactly right and that's where I was too I was like here am I were you like stressed and you'd be like 
all right, I'm just going to breathe and walk in the door and you're like, I'm on, you know? Was well, this like was that? why it was so important because that I stopped teaching because I, I was yeah, like, I can't, okay. I've got no more to give. I can't. Sure. And uh, I was going through that myself, I, you know, it was, and that's that um, contributed to why it was such a difficult time because I, I was like, well, here I am preaching all of this, yet, you know, I'm not living it at all. I'm the absolute opposite. Right, right now and so that was a really difficult thing to go through as well and like i even an added pressure it was absolutely and um and i even went through a point where i was going to let it all go and i said i can't do this i'm gonna have to sell the business and well and i was like i don't want to sell it because i couldn't see it in the world and me not be a part of it and then i thought well, I, but i can't let it go because i'm gonna let down all these children and families and so it was a really difficult time because mm. yeah I, I felt so conflicted with what i was personally going through and what i was trying to support other people with and yeah. that was when I had a real really big wake-up call and went there's no option here I have to make some huge changes in my life to find a balance to move forward and um, that's pretty much what uh, 2017 and 2018 was and, and why as well um, the importance of the licensing came into it as well because I was like I can't do all of this I can't run other locations and if I've got to if I want this to be in the world and to be able to support more children I've got to find a way to train other people to be able to do it because I yeah. can't do everything sure so and now it's great <clears throat> I don't have any problem with delegating now I'm just, like and that's one of the big things a lot of people in business struggle with is letting others do things within their business I have no problem with it now like, yeah okay you take that one you take that bit I, I've got a um, a theory that in business, um, most people never uh, let go of control enough to uh, because they're they're so scared of things going wrong. But they yeah. they never let go of control enough to see where things will go wrong to then learn from it. Yes. Um, but it's these periods where uh, you know it's, it literally happened in my journey as well. Where like in your business, you're like that's everything. And then you hit some kind of point and you're like, that isn't the most important thing anymore because I'm struggling. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Now, and now that has to work for me, not the other way around. Exactly. I'm not going to work for it. It's going to work for me. Yes. And then from that place, all the change comes because it's suddenly possible because it has to be possible. Absolutely. Yeah. You and know? it's crazy sometimes how long it takes until you get to that point. But yeah. once you do, it's just like why it, it's so easy why did I think it was going to be so difficult for so long or why did I yeah. you know drag myself through all of that for so long <laughs> when it's actually once you let go of it it's a lot and that was actually one of the um pieces of feedback I had from the Telstra Business Women's Awards was um they loved that the fearlessness I had of letting go mm. and, and letting um you know trusting that it was going to work and not yeah. trying to hold on to everything so we are always the problem yes we are <laughs> absolutely <laughs> almost always um going back to that period of um uh, you know becoming a mother and obviously i'm not a woman so yeah. i will ask questions and not speak into this but <laughs> sure. um like from my experience of being a father and seeing that from the outside um yeah. uh Everyone has an opinion about mothers yes. and a pregnant woman and what you should do and how you should be a mother and yep. that sort of thing. I imagine that um, putting yourself in that situation that you're in where uh, you're working, running a business, there must have been a some intense like paradigm shifts for you and identity yep. conflicts, but also um, probably pot potentially some outside judgment. As well. Yeah, I um, it was really difficult um, because I felt 
I didn't join any mother's groups. I didn't do, I did the whole thing on my own because I felt like no one understood the position I was in. Mm. I didn't know any other mums out there that were running a full-time business with a first time, like being a first time mum, having a little baby and running a company. Yeah. And, um, the mums that I did meet, um, they, we were just living such different lives and I just felt it, it, I felt like it isolated me even more because Mm. we, we were so different. And, um, I even, I remember Googling like, um, first time mum business women and like trying to find, and there was just nothing out there. And I, um, yeah, I, I, when I was in my mum role was quite isolated and went with him because I was fearful of the judgment. I felt like people wouldn't relate to me. I couldn't relate with them as well. You know, normally in your mum's group, the mums chat about all the issues they're facing and what they're going through. And um, the couple of things that I did did go to, I just went, There's, I can't relate to any of this. Like, I can't share what I'm going through. And so it was really difficult. And there, as you said, there was a lot of judgment and a lot of guilt as well. I, you know, so many things I've researched. I'm sure there's other mums out there who have done the same, whether they own a business or they're, they're working mums where you um, don't know if you're doing the right thing by your child and you feel guilty and, you know, just so there's so much pressure on mums and it's such a difficult time for you to work out what you, what your needs are and what you're wanting. And because you've got to be happy at the same time too. And I also know a lot of mums who have let go of things and they wish they hadn't because of pressures Mm. that were put on them. And so, you know, I was really trying to hold on to what my purpose was in the world and what my passions were and who I was as a human being and my responsibilities as an individual while uh, combining that with my new role as a mum and what my baby's needs were and my needs as a mother as well and my family's needs and um, making sure that my child was happy and um, being taken care of as well. And so, yeah, it's, it's such a difficult thing today. And I remember at one point, one of the, the dark, dark moments of you know, probably three in the morning or two in the morning after no sleep, I remembered being so angry thinking how I remember being so angry at any woman who had ever said you can do it all and you know go follow your passion follow your dreams Mm. and I remembered probably because I was so fatigued and but I remember just being so full of anger and rage going you in my mind going you deceive like why would you tell me to follow my passion do all this when it's not possible when I you know you have a baby and you can't do it and I honestly felt like I had been lied to and Mm. um, you know that's how hard it got at one point trying to juggle those roles and work out um what I was able to do and yeah so I think it's you know it really is a difficult time for women who have a career or they have a passion that they love that they want to keep going with when even though they become a mother um it can be really difficult to navigate that and um hold on to that and not feel the guilt and um, imbalance it. So that was definitely something I went through and, and thankfully it, it got easier and easier. And now, um, yeah, it, it's amazing now, but definitely, you know, that first, those first two years were, were really difficult in, in reevaluating who I was, mm. what my life looked like and, and my identity as a mum and a businesswoman and, and just as an individual as well, it just, it all shifts. And, um, I think that's one thing a lot of new mums aren't prepared for, especially when they've spent so much time working on their careers. Yeah. 
Life's hard, hey? It is. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, yeah, tough. It's, like, it's really a lot to deal yes. with sometimes. And being a parent is yeah. tough. You know, for men and women, it's, you know, for yeah. anyone who's a parent, it, your whole life changes and yeah. it's a huge adjustment. And I don't think there's, um, you know, enough sort of informational support um, on how to do it as a working parent, whether you're, you're you know, male, female, mum, dad, you know, mm. there, um, I think there's still a big divide between a parent and a business person or, a, you know, a, your working life. And now the, the times we live in now, they cross over so much. So many people take their kids to work and, you know, working from home even now, you know, with everything we've been through in the last um, year yeah. with COVID and everything, you know, those roles really intertwine. And I think it's something we really need to start focusing on moving forward to support people in business um, with integrating their role as a parent as well, their identity as a parent as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's challenging for sure. Like you don't, you don't know what you're doing. No, you, you know? have no idea. And no one wants to tell anyone that they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. Like it's, you know, life is falling apart at home and you don't want to tell anyone about it. It's, it's isolating. It's really tough. It's, mm. um, and I think a lot of people will find like one person that they can be really honest with about it. And it's great that they've got that one person, but a lot of people don't have anyone, um, to share that they're struggling or that they don't know what they're doing and, yeah, it's mm. really tough. And once again, because every situation is different, every family is different. Yeah. And yeah, so what works for one doesn't work for someone else. So mm. the more we talk about it and the more open we are about um, the reality of mixing parenthood and work business, I think the easier it is for people to be okay with the craziness. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, what, um, oh, I've just gone completely blank. <laughs> many words going on maybe that happens to me all the time i don't know I've, I've, yeah probably a lot going on in my mind at the moment um so like we were talking uh before about um no i'm just gonna start that again it's all right you <laughs> okay some, yeah i'm good yeah, yeah yeah um so how do you find your role as a community leader um you know, because you're pretty well known now, you've got quite a big business, um, you're working with children, there's that, and then, you know, expressing your own personal views around yes. things. Uh, what does that look like for you? It's, um, it's, it's not tough, but it takes a lot of thought um, in the sense that I'm really cautious of what I say and do because I know little eyes are watching me. And mm. so that's something I think that definitely adds um, an element of what I do where it brings it into my personal life as well because, you know, as a um, as an adult and especially with social media and everything, now we're living in a world where we're, we're really encouraged to just be authentic and say whatever we want and, you know, just everyone accept everyone for who they are, which is great and I, I support that. Um but most of those people don't have a child audience watching them. Mm. And so that's where I've got to be really careful. There's a whole side of me where I'd love to just be like, Wah! and you know, this is, this is who I am. But I'm also really mindful that I'm a role model. And I, um, I think one of the, the great things about that, and I've said this with all our instructors and everyone that's come through our program, um, all the staff, is that it was one of the best things that happened to me because it really made me start to look at my own behavior and what what I was doing and what my values were. And so I've definitely become a better person through being so aware of 
the little eyes that are watching me. Yeah. Um, which has been a really great thing. And, but still to this day, it, you know, I'm really, con- I'm conscious with what I say. I'm conscious with how I say things because, um, yeah, I, I want to be a good role model for them. I want to be a good leader for them to look up to. And so, yeah, so it's, it definitely makes me hold back um, a little bit with social media, but I don't think that's such a bad thing because I'm quite a private person anyone, mm-hmm. anyway. I really value my privacy, my family's privacy. And um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a quiet, I'm, I'm a more of an introverted, quiet person. And I think that's a big thing with, um, being in the public eye or having, um, being a role model all the time, people will see the business side of you and think, oh, she's so confident and so out there and loud and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But I'm actually a really shy introvert and in my personal life, I don't want to talk a lot. I don't want to go to a lot of things. You know, my perfect day would be sitting at home reading a book with, you know, nice, quiet, peace and quiet and, um, just, yeah, not a lot going on. And so I think a lot of people will see me in my work role with Standing Strong and they um, will meet me and think that I'm a really loud, out there kind mm. of person and, and I'm actually the complete opposite. So it's been interesting with friendships that have formed and things where people start to see the the home Kim side of me and go, oh, she's actually quite quiet and boring a lot of the time and um yeah it's just weird I think it's strange how people when you're in business and you've got that that work side of you that people think that's the whole of you but there's actually so many different parts of us and yeah um and so yeah it's been interesting finding a balance between going it's okay for me to be quiet and boring in my personal life and I don't have to be loud and and out there all the time and be drained by trying to bring that into my personal life Mm -hmm. but also the business side of things has been so good for dragging me out mm. of my quite introverted life and um, getting me out of my comfort zone and forcing me to learn to do public speaking and be on camera and be on, you know, microphones and all the rest of it. Whereas, you know, before that would have absolutely scared the pants off me. Yeah. But now I'm like, no, that's fine. I'm used to that now. So yeah, it's different. I think people have expectations of you anytime they see you in the public eye and, um, it's important to stay true to who you are mm. as well, not let that override other people's expectations override who you are. And because you are, you are being authentic, aren't you? Like yeah, it's just, absolutely. it's just it's expressing just the, different parts of yourself at exactly. different times. Exactly. It's the more, yeah. um, it's the louder, it's the, you know, the, the, um, more energized it's, you know, it's the, um, yeah, it's, it's like just that business side of you that, but, you, I can't be in that all the time. You know, I need to have that time where I recoup and I have yeah. my downtime and, um, yeah. So it's still you. It's just those different parts of you that you bring mm-hmm. out depending on what situations you're in. So, mm. but yeah, there's, like I said, it's like, I guess, um, you know, when someone's performing that, you know, they're giving a part of themselves, but they're not p- going to be performing all the time mm. as well. So it's, um, yeah, it's interesting to how people have expectations on you, but, Maybe I think I disappoint sometimes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll go right. to a barbecue or something and um, be a lot more quiet. And yeah. I think people have expectations that you're going to be sure. the, the life of the party or something. But it's like, oh, no, it's it's Sunday afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to sit here and chill out and, gotcha. and relax. So, so what... Um, like, what is it that you're holding back on, though? Like, what, what views or what, um, you know, what... Yeah, what aren't you fully showing that, you know, you're afraid of... 
being seen by the... I think it's more just... um, Not saying you've got any secrets or anything like that. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to understand. Yeah, I don't think it's opinions because I'm very open with my opinions. I think it's probably more just like swearing and, you know, just that sort of stuff. Like, uh, you know, in my personal life, I'll throw throw a few F-bombs around and, you know, like I'm a lot more relaxed with my language and stuff. So it's not so much personal views or anything like that. It's just more... Yeah, things like language and that sort of stuff where, yeah, I've got to be careful with it. Mm -hmm. Understood. Yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think uh, for me, I'll never be in a role that involves children because uh, I I just do swear too much and have some pretty outlandish views on things. (laughs) Yeah. And it's really funny because even we've had workshops in the past where we've had, um, you know, media personalities come in and do talks and they've sworn in there and then we've had you know we've had to deal with those issues after that and that's a perfect example of it it's it's um and those people are you know they're very well known out there and they um they're in a position where they can you know swear and and say whatever they want and um I think because we work with children we automatically assume other people will understand that when you work with children you know you can't swear and do all those sorts of things and um but it a lot of people don't actually don't realize that or or won't do that and so that's why it's something that I'm just really cautious of because you've got to you've got to um you know you've got to cater to your audience and when you're working with children those are things you've got to Mm. think about so yeah yeah that's that's I think that's probably the biggest thing is just swearing Yeah. yeah sure um like uh, obviously a, a bit of what I talk about on the podcast I shared with you before and we haven't filled this episode with it yeah. is, um, you know, the use of psychedelic plant medicine and things like that. Um, I, I believe that those things um, over time will eventually be decriminalized, be used in yeah. therapy. There's, you know, Canada, states in the US, it's, it's starting to happen already. Um, it's likely it'll eventually happen in Australia, hopefully. Um what are the sorts of conversations that you have with teenagers about drugs and alcohol? Like, is that something that comes up? Is that even in your role at all? We don't, if it comes up, so anything that comes up, we chat with, with the young people we work with. Um, We don't purposely bring up drugs and alcohol because that's, we don't have a space where we can, um, I guess, follow up on that with enough support for what yeah. that young person's going through. So we have one-to-one mentoring. So if something comes up where we feel that there needs to be more support or guidance on that, we would book that young person into a one-to-one session or we chat with their parents and come together with the parents to offer support on where to go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big things we do is refer back to the school counsellors as well. So um, if we're only seeing a young person once a week and we know that there's stuff going on, then we refer back to someone who's going to be spending a lot more time with them. So school counsellors, parents, um, or like I said before, that one-to-one mentoring. So um, we always encourage communication with the Mm. parent and the child. So if a child is going through something or they're asking questions, we do our best to try and help facilitate that conversation with the child and the parent. Um, And so that's, that's our priority is to kind of direct that conversation more towards the family. Yeah. Um, but however, you know, obviously very aware that a lot of families don't want to talk about it or a lot of parents won't talk about it with mm. their children. So that's where we'll go towards the school and try and help the child to chat with someone at school, at the school that can help yeah. them with it. I feel like, um, you know, it's such an interesting age, isn't it? It's like, 
you're 17, you're a teenager, 18, you're still a teenager, but now you're an adult and you're allowed to do all these things. Yeah. And it's kind of like everything that was taboo is not taboo anymore. Yes. Some of it's still taboo, but for me at least, um, I like really didn't have a a great relationship with alcohol at all. Yeah. but like, I feel like it was just taboo up until that point, And then I just went, went wild. Yeah. Um, like, what do you think has to happen in there? Cause I, I, I'm sure I'm not the only one yeah. and I'm sure it still happens. Yep. What, what has to change in that conversation? Or is it just a matter of people going to be like, people going to figure it out themselves eventually. I think you know? it's going to be one of those. And I, like I think you the hit your limits on things. And, and I think the law puts a lot of, because of what our legal system is that, you know, there's a lot of restrictions there. So it is quite difficult. Um, I guess supporting young people before they're 18 mm. in relation to drugs and alcohol. And then when they're up, when they're after, when you've got a law in place that says, you know, they can't do this and then they can do this. So yeah. I think anywhere where you've got that, that line and that sort of black and white, um, those areas, you're going to have issues where people go, right, I've never been able to do this. Now suddenly I can do it. Um, I'm going to go a bit crazy with this. So I think that's, um, I think it is a bit of a process that everyone goes through. And and I think like we mentioned earlier, because it's such a transitional time in someone's life when they've gone from home, school, being a child to suddenly they're free in the world and they can do whatever they want. Um, You know, that experimentation with drugs and alcohol, it all comes into that part of finding who you are and trying different things and getting out of your comfort zone and, um, you know, just do even just having the freedom to do what you want and not be told yes or no. So yeah, I don't know. I think we've got a long way to go and I think it has a lot more to do with the fact that they can do it and that they're young people are exploring the world mm. than um, what they're actually doing. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a tough one. Mm. It is. Yeah. No one has the answers no. really. <laughs> it's about- <laughs> We're all trying to figure it out, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like kind of going back to the the um, conversation about, you know, depression and anxiety in, in children and teenagers. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, it's just um, there's a lot, it's just a lot of information right now and that's really what's causing it. Yeah. Is there anything that you think we need to change culturally as a society to, because it's not just children and teenagers, it's adults yeah. like it is it is normal to hear someone say they have anxiety now yeah um what do, what do you think we need to change as a society uh i personally think we need to get rid of social media <laughs> okay yeah thoughts <laughs> but i'm older now too so i didn't really grow up with social yeah. media so i'm kind of like one of those last generations that it came into my life in my 20s so i wasn't um you know, I'm, I remember going out when we didn't take phones out and we, you know, yeah. so, um, <clears throat> but in, it's been really interesting to see the difference that's happened since we've had social media and, um, yeah, I, and I think a lot of this is to do with the conversations that we have with the young people we work with, that the majority of the difficult things they're facing so much of it is stemming from what they're getting online and um, social media. So I know it's in the world. It's I'm pretty sure it's here to stay in the world, but I do think we need to find some way for particularly our young people to have it in their lives and it not be having the effect on them 
that it is mm. because it's it's detrimental and um, you know the the research is out there. It all shows the effect that's having on young people's mental health and well-being. So mm. when you've you know you've got children that are in such a vulnerable part of their lives where they're forming their identity, their core beliefs, their values, you know, um, and then you put them in a space where there's just all of that information going on you know it's it's hard enough as an adult being on there and seeing things and not um doubting having self-doubt or comparison or you know whatever it it is we feel when we get off there you imagine being a a child that's they don't have their sense of self yet or they're you know they're, they're still discovering themselves and then all these things are coming in all these messages are coming in you know it's confusing it's overwhelming it's it's huge. So mm. I think we really underestimate the effect that's having on young people. And, um, you know, I know kids now that are five, six, seven years old that have got their own phone and stuff. And mm. it's just like, come yeah. on. So, yeah, it's a huge – that that's what I can see is a huge issue that's going on is that um, access to the online world before so they're just, ready for it's it. Like, it's like the realities of the world hitting them uh, – in a vulnerable time exactly. where, whereby those vulnerable, uh, sorry, those realities would normally have hit them in their twenties or something like that. Exactly. And yep. Give them some yeah. time to work out who they are yeah. before you start bombarding them with all these mixed messages and, mm. you know, people saying, Oh, do this, do that. Look like this, look like this. And so much information. And like you were saying, you know, the rates of um, depression and anxiety in adults that has, um, you know, the levels that they're at now, that's why children are going through the same thing. Like adults are struggling with the amount of information we've got mm. going on now, let alone children that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. uh, it's like we all just need to um, work on, understanding ourselves more so that we can be far more emotionally intelligent yeah. uh, and from that space we can do our best <laughs> to support our children yeah to be emotionally intelligent as well exactly and, just yeah going going within a little bit more again switching into yourself and I think there's a huge disconnection from our own um, our own intuition our own inner voice you know I think that because and I, well, I can't speak for anyone else, but I know for me, when I need guidance or I need some direction, I go quiet and then I get my answers and I work out what I need to do. And we're living in a world where people very rarely are switching off and having that quiet mm. time. So, um, and I believe everyone has that. Everyone has that internal dialogue where, um, you know, they can channel into guidance and support. And, you know, if you're not doing that regularly, you're just kind of going, ah, taking in everything that's around you. Yeah. And no wonder you get overwhelmed and stressed and there's just all this information coming in and, and rarely time where you're just listening to yourself. Mm. yeah we have all the knowledge and the wisdom inside exactly and that's why i you know joked before about being a quiet boring person it's more because that's my downtime where i regroup i you know i get my energy i get my direction i reconnect with who i am my purpose you know the things that are really of value to me in my life and my time here on the planet that's where i get that from and then i go back out and give it yeah but i've got to come back i can only do that for so long then i've got to come back and yeah you know get my direction again and focus again before i can go back and give some more i think the old paradigm of introvert extrovert is kind of dissolving or at least from what i see it's like these old labels that 
applied to people who are really outgoing or not outgoing. Yeah. And from pretty much everyone I speak to now is like, yeah, and I love hanging out with my friends and seeing people because, you know, we're, we're drawn to other people and connection. Yeah. But like I have to spend time by myself because if I'm connected with myself, figuring out what I want, who I am. Yes. Uh, that would typically be extrovert and introvert, but it's like most people are probably both. both. Yep. Um, I completely agree. And <laughs> I think a lot of it is to do with, you know, getting out of your comfort zone. And um, I think some, some things are naturally more comfortable to some people than others. Yeah. But I do think you can work on it and, yeah. and get out there. And yeah, I think plenty of people, if they met me in certain situations, would be like, oh, she's a, she's an extrovert. She's so out there. But so I completely agree with you. And it's so funny. A couple of my really good friends who are counselors and coaches, we talk about introverts and extroverts all the time. And mm. we're always like, what about this? And what about that? And it's, I, I completely agree with you. I think it's something, um, it's an easy way to describe things because most people can straight away go, Oh yep, I can relate to what they're saying. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really interesting topic and whether it's really a thing or it's just how we are at different times and yeah, whether it's just, um, going with what's comfortable and not pushing ourselves yeah. to do what we really can do just might take a bit more effort. So. Yeah. All, all labels really are never yes. that true, aren't they? Yep. Like they are to a degree, but then yep. there's always exceptions. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So what's next for, for you and for the business? Because um, yeah. you said you've got over 20 locations now. Yeah. Yep. So just all, growing. All over Australia and yeah, yep. in, the, in um, the US. In Brisbane and Sydney. And we just got a new one in Byron Bay, which is awesome. Um just continuing to grow now. So we, um, I really want to get more into parent support. So parent workshops and um, resources for parents. We're actually working on a school package at the moment with our online cool. platform. So we're creating a, um, a school library resource that schools can connect to or teachers can log on to and provide. We're actually piloting that at the moment at a primary school um, with one of their chaplains. So she's awesome. running the programs in their recess and lunch uh, on a, on a Tuesday and Wednesday. And um, so we're working with her to see how that's being respond, uh, being, um, I guess, embraced by the children and how they're enjoying it. So that's videos, printouts and things, audios, meditations and things. Cool. So that's really exciting. So hopefully we'll have that packaged up by the end of the year and next year we can start getting that out to some more schools. Mm. And um, otherwise just... Just growing what we've got at the moment. I'm looking forward to a little... I've been pretty much creating for the last five or six years. Um, and so I'm looking forward to just getting it out there a little bit more now and, and having a bit of a breather and just supporting our licensees and our instructors and, yeah, growing it a little Visiting bit. Visiting them all when, when yep. you can. When we can. Going to Vegas. So I want to get over to the East Coast. Yeah. Yes. And the Vegas one. Yes, that would yeah. be nice. <laughs> I mean, different with a four-year-old, no doubt. But. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But no, definitely some travel would be great. Yeah, that's yeah. so exciting. Um, I, I think you're doing great work and like oh, thank you. it's nice to hear um, that you're stepping into the parent space as well because, yeah. you know, as a single dad, I, well, I'm not single anymore, but so I don't know if I use that term, but as a dad, yeah, <laughs> co-parent, whatever. <laughs> 
yeah, I definitely feel like I want some help, you yeah, know, at times yeah. I'm like, fuck, I don't know what to do. Yeah. 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 So and no, my, he's only, he's not even two, you know, he doesn't even, he, he, he can't even tell me his emotions yet, but we can verbally, but um, yeah, it's, it's incredible how quickly it starts happening. And yeah, um, I think the early you can, yeah, start researching and getting more information, the, the easier it is. We did, we've got um, an amazing parent talk that we do and it's more about how you spend your time with your child. Mm. And a lot of the parent parenting advice out there is particular tools and things to do um, with your child. But the approach that I'm creating is more about looking at how you spend your time and what your relationship is with your child during that time um, based on what your child's needs are and what your needs are. And so a lot more information about it, but um, essentially, yeah, it's about how the the time you spent and um, what you do in that time and um, we did a big talk um, last month and it was received really well so I'm looking forward to getting that out there a little bit more and um, supporting parents to kind of because we have such limited time with our children um, have some easy ways that they can look at that time to make the most of it so and, sure. and in doing that create a really strong connection with their child because at the end of the day that's the most important thing any parent can have is a, a is a healthy relationship mm. where their child feels that they can come to them and talk to them so mm-hmm. if you can do that nothing else matters all the rest falls into place the most important thing is having a good relationship so that they can come to you yeah because like we said at the very beginning they've they've got all the information it's all out there they need someone to talk to about it Mm. and if they feel like they can't talk to you you know that that brings other issues but if they feel like they can come to you that's the most important thing any parent can do sure amazing good advice (laughs) thank you so much for coming on the show it's been a really really good chat thanks so much Uh, for having me it's been awesome yeah see you soon thank you